0: MP, it's our final event of the year. Oh, it's all a bit sad, Bretto, but after four big events for 2018, we are going out with a bang with one more wellness base camp, and the location for this one is regional Victoria, the great town of Bendigo awaits.
1: Oh, and how's this for a lineup, MP? Bendigo will be rocking with the rock star of wellness, Damien Christoph. The art of
0: self-love angel herself, Kim Morrison, hits the stage. As will the natural
1: nutritionist, Steph Lowe.
0: And I'll tell you what, Steph's presentation at the summit on fasting was a showstopper. You'll be there, Bretto. I'll be there too.
1: And Wendy Stewart from Wendy's Way will be there to share her inspirational story, which really did go off at the Wellness Summit earlier this year.
0: It's Saturday, October 27th at the beautiful All Seasons Resort Hotel in Bendigo, and tickets are selling fast.
1: Two-for-one tickets for this one day of inspiration, information, and empowerment are available at thewellnessbasecamp.com.
0: That's right, folks. Get your two-for-one tickets at thewellnessbasecamp.com before they run out and then the
1: price goes up. Finish your year of wellness in style at the Wellness Base Camp in Bendigo, Saturday, October 27.
0: Tickets at thewellnessbasecamp.com.
1: Thewellnesscoach.com. Streaming wellness into your lives.
0: You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey.
2: Hello and welcome to The Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. So, in today's podcast, uh, we're doing something a little bit different. I guess I'm going solo uh, this morning in this podcast recording um, and for a, a number of reasons, but um, I have actually been uh, doing a little bit of traveling of late, um, attending a couple of different conferences around our regional parts of Australia, uh, doing um, presentations, uh, delivering my healthy shift worker workshops, along with uh, speaking Uh, at another event, uh, Ashley, which was at Toowoomba, which is about an hour's drive uh, west of where I'm living right now. And – I guess I've sort of come back and done a little bit of reflection on both of those events. You know, I love delivering these events and I love hearing, you know, the the lovely positive feedback that I, that I get um, from delivering these events. But at the same time, I'm very also uh, taking notes uh, myself to get really good feedback, constructive feedback, really listening to, uh, you know, members of the audience and, and kind of finding out exactly what it is that they are needing so that I can then, um, you know, continually make my work, shops um, better and better and that I'm actually meeting uh, the needs of the audience which of course is you guys as as shift workers but one thing that I kind of noticed uh, a question that I um, asked both of these uh, audiences I had about 45 people attending one event and there was about 150 attending the other and one of the kind of first um, or one of the questions that I asked people is that you know in regards to night shift, you know, who can you please raise your hand and tell me, you know, if you tend to go into your first night shift on zero sleep, basically. So you tend to just continue doing what you normally do during the day, and then you'll kind of just go in straight away to your night shift. And from both of those events, I have to say, I was actually quite floored at the amount of people who, when I asked that question, are you going into your first night shift On no sleep, the amount of people that raised their hands, uh, I was enormously surprised. uh, I guess, um, for a better way of putting it, because I know that some people do it, but I had no idea of the magnitude of just how many people are doing this, and which is why it's kind of brought me to talk about a particular topic uh, that I discuss. Uh, in great depth in my online training program but I wanted to I guess make a podcast uh, episode of it and in, that's in, in its regards to something called or a phenomenon called sleep debt uh, which obviously you know given the irregular hours that we work we know when we're working 24 7 is certainly experienced by many who work shift work and you know, we know that shift work is tough. It's really, really tough. And, um, and it's why I kind of mentioned that shift workers kind of experience a different type of financial hardship, that being sleep debt. So in this particular episode, i am just got to run through a few things. First and foremost, I'm going to explain exactly what is sleep debt, you know, uh, what is it and why shift workers so prone to it. I'm then going to just run through a few of the short-term and long-term effects of sleep debt. Or more specifically, what happens to our bodies when we're so chronically sleep deprived? Uh, and then we're going to answer that all-important question: Can we actually pay it back? Um, you know, if so, how? You know, what can we do to kind of reduce these effects? Uh, and then um, we're going to be talking about some of the things that we can do. You know, some I'll give you some tips and strategies at the end of the podcast to kind of help you to reduce um, the effects of acquiring that uh, sleep debt. So. Sleep debt, the definition, what exactly is sleep debt? Well, when you're continually getting by on little sleep, you begin to build what's called a sleep debt. Uh, As I said before, I kind of think shift workers experience this different type of financial hardship and I'm calling it, you know, that sleep debt. So in short, you know, in the short term, you know, when we when we don't, you know, get enough sleep, you know, the body is is okay. You know, a human body is quite a resilient, um, a resilient thing. However, it's if we're continually getting by on little sleep, and I mean, you know, getting by on that five to six hours or maybe even less on a consistent basis, it can certainly be a lot harder to bounce back and reverse some of these effects. So Some of the mechanisms behind this is when we don't get enough sleep, there's a chemical in the brain called adenosine. And those adenosine concentrations in our brain basically remain too high if we're sort of, um, you know, continually going on little sleep. So basically this adenosine um, gradually accumulates, you know, the longer that we are awake. However, like with any outstanding debt or loan, you know, Come the next day, you know some of that quantity of yesterday's uh, adenosine actually remains. So you then carry that outstanding sleepiness because it's adenosine that um, you know makes you sleepy. So you then carry this outstanding sleepiness balance, for a better word, throughout to the following day. And so, like with all loans, <laughs> um, you, you know all loans, this sleep debt is going to continually accumulate it. If we don't pay it back, so you can't hide from it. This debt will roll over into the next payment cycle, or meaning the next day, uh, producing a condition of prolonged, chronic sleep deprivation, sort of from one day to another. So, why are shift workers so prone to it? Well, according to the Victorian State Government here in Australia, shift workers get, on average, anywhere between two and three hours less sleep. Than other workers uh, so it's no wonder that we are accruing an ever-growing sleep debt you know so when you think about that when you times it by per week per month and per year then that's a staggering amount of sleep loss compared to other workers however I do want to make note um, or make specific mention in regards to that though that yes the our rosters and that certainly play a role but having worked with shift working clients now for Uh, close to three years, I do notice that some of the uh, drivers behind that sleep debt is not necessarily 100% down to the the roster itself. A lot of it is due to the fact that we may be unknowingly or knowingly kind of self-sabotaging our sleep further, making it even worse. So that brings me to what are some of the causes? Well, as I said, some of them might be a few little self-sabotaging behaviours that we're doing, um, but there are certainly many, and I'm not going to go into all of them, but, you know, obviously poorly designed rosters and or insufficient recovery time in between shifts are two big, big ones uh, unrealistic employer expectations is also another uh, expecting staff to work longer than normal shifts is is certainly a factor as well and then we've got that poor sleep quality um, as well as the quantity which also plays a huge role because it's not all about quantity it's certainly about our quality as well. So if you are you know if you're also someone that struggles to kind of switch off, Um, you know switch off that busy brain uh, or experiences you know some kind of sleep disorder such as sleep apnea then of course this is going to magnify the effects of sleep debt even more. Because we have to be mindful that as human beings, we're hardwired to be sleeping at night. We're diurnal creatures as opposed to being nocturnal. Um, but as we all know, being at work during the nighttime forms a massive part of what we do as a shift worker, You know, whether that's working during the night or having to start work at three or four o'clock in the morning. So this means that we have to push our bodies or fight against its natural instincts to be awake when we really should be sleeping and vice versa, which can then lead to an accumulation of sleep debt. So this uh, obviously leads, you know, many of us to experience this. And, and I love um, an awesome quote from a, a book by uh, Arianna Huffington. You may have heard of her. She's head of uh, Huffington Post over in the United States, one of the fastest growing media companies in the world. And, and she wrote a book called The Sleep Revolution. And, you know, Ariana's, um, in, a, in her book, Arianna kind of shares her personal story of what happened to her. Um, it was a bit of a personal wake-up call uh, when she actually fell over and broke her cheekbone and caused a nasty gash over her eye as a result from falling down from pure exhaustion and lack of sleep. And I just want to share a quote from that book that she wrote, which because I think this really resonates with shift workers, or you'd be able to resonate it, that there is that level of tiredness where you don't actually even notice that you're tired because you no longer remember how not tired feels. And I just think that that statement is so incredibly relevant for anyone working 24-7, um, But and I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast right now, you can probably relate to it. You know, you have that sort of ongoing chronic um, fatigue. You know, we kind of get to that point where we often forget about what it's like to not be tired. Um, but, again, it, it kind of it, it sort of reinforces the why it's important to have that awareness um, so that you are aware that perhaps you know you are so beyond tired that you do need to start perhaps changing your behaviors um, and some of the things on actions that you might be doing that may be actually exer- um exasperating things even further Interestingly enough, uh, even the World Health Organization has now declared that we are living in a sleep loss epidemic through industrialised nations, which is um, pretty huge. So, you know, our sleep loss obviously – is very relevant for shift workers but it's also starting to filter down into um, the general population um, for a lot of different reasons. And I could say that the electronic devices are are certainly playing a a huge part, you know, as are things like, you know, Netflix and, you know, where we're just continually sitting down watching too much TV when really we should be perhaps going to bed, um, particularly knowing that we've got an an early the next day. But, you know, this also – kind of leads me to another quote that I wanted to share, uh, that 24 hours of complete sleep deprivation is equivalent to a blood alcohol reading of 0.10%. Quite simply, if we haven't slept for 24 hours, we are classified as legally drunk in most Countries. So I want you to kind of really sit and sort of absorb that for a moment because the ramifications um, of this can be huge. Um, so basically, from that 24 hours of not sleeping, you know, it, it affects how we think how we feel, and how we function. So I'm thinking, you know, for a lot of you, depending on what you do, um, you know, maybe even the surgeons, the train drivers, emergency service personnel, pilots, the list is endless. But if you are in charge of some kind of machinery, um, then you perhaps could be basically even just from lack of sleep may um, be effectively not being able to perform your tasks as well, you know, as if you were legally drunk, basically, um, without drinking any alcohol. Um, And and again, it's why I found it quite interesting when I read an article that was published in the Washington Post last year, they outline how first-year doctors are now going to be allowed to work 24-hour shifts now personally i think not only is this crazy it's highly irresponsible because my question here is what about patient safety let alone the um, uh, doctor themselves but what about patient safety because we know that you can't you know when you're sleep deprived so much you can't think feel and function uh, as normal at the end of the day you know doctors or you know they're not superhuman You know, or nurses, or pilots, or anyone like that. You know, they are just like everyone else. They suffer from tiredness, lack of concentration, increase errors, etc. Now, you might be thinking, "Well, that's not me. I don't go." you know, without 24 hours sleep. So I don't fit into that category. But research has also shown that after 17 to 19 hours without sleep, performance is equivalent or worse than a blood alcohol reading of 0.05%. Now here in Australia, that also makes you effectively legally drunk. Um, So you're going to see your cognitive function declining, you know, reaction time reducing. So I want you to just really think about this. And if you can resonate with being in a situation where perhaps you are pushing yourself this extreme uh, from various different causes, but on a consistent basis, then you might be just putting yourself and others at uh, at risk. So let's now look at uh, some of the effects of having a short-term sleep debt. So things such as increased insulin resistance occurs if we're running on that um, short amounts of sleep, and this is where the body does not respond properly to the hormone insulin. Insulin is produced by the pancreas and it's used to transfer uh, glucose from the blood into the liver and muscle into the cells to then be used as energy. However, if the body is unable to respond to insulin properly, then it can cause blood glucose levels in our blood to rise above the normal range. When we run on short amounts of sleep as well, so from a short term perspective, it can also lead to high blood pressure. It elevates our stress hormones, cortisol obviously leads to fatigue. I think we can all relate to that. Uh, And also reduced activity in the prefrontal cortex um, of our brain, which is involved in decision-making. Interestingly enough, too, um, studies have even shown in the short term, just from short term, it can lead to reduced testosterone in men, uh, amongst other things. According to um, a study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, cutting back on sleep drastically reduced um, testosterone testosterone levels in healthy young men. Um, and in this particular study, it was found that men who slept less than five hours a night for just for one week had significantly lower levels of testosterone than when they had a full night's sleep. So that's just from one weak. So obviously low testosterone has a whole host of negative consequences for young men, not just in from a um, you know, sexual behavior and reproductive kind of point of view, but it's critical in building strength and muscle mass and bone density. And then we can have a look at the long term sleep deprivations um of of sleep debt. So we're talking about things if you're continually running on little sleep in the long term. Uh, the harsh reality is that it does increase our risk for developing cardiovascular conditions such as heart attack and stroke. Um, and it does this by raising our heart rate and blood pressure. Uh, essentially, unhealthy sleep leads to an unhealthy heart. Uh, a study even showed that those subjects who were sleeping six hours or less were 400 to 500% more likely to suffer one or more cardiac arrest than those sleeping more than six hours. So... Again, I just, this is one study alone. Um, I'm not really sharing this with you to kind of scare you. It's just to bring you to your attention so that you can understand the importance of why we need to focus on improving both the quality and quantity of our sleep wherever humanly possible. Essentially, sleep is the best blood pressure medication that is provided by Mother Nature herself. I think we can be too quick in going to the uh, blood pressure medications um, without maybe, you know, are we having that conversation with our health practitioner uh, before jumping to the medications? Well, how's your sleep? Like, how's his sleep? Because that really, you know, can be one of the driving forces behind high blood pressure. As I said, it's one of many risk factors. It's not the only risk factor, but it's one of many. Uh, But it certainly needs to be um, looked at if, if someone is experiencing high blood pressure. And then we have other conditions that can occur from long-term sleep deprivation or that accumulative effects of sleep debt. It can lead to things like type 2 diabetes, um, which um, again, it's combined with it's uh, a combination of having that long-term insulin resistance and a poor diet. Um, it can also lead to things like obesity because it's um, It suppresses um, our appetite regulating hormone uh, causing us to overeat and overeat and all the bad stuff. Um, It can also lead to reproductive issues. You know, we touched on the impacts of the short-term sleep deprivation on the guys. um, But routinely, uh, sleeping less than six hours a night has also led to a 20% drop in um, follicular releasing hormone in women, which is uh, a critically important element necessary for conception to occur. It can also lead to immune system suppression when we fall sleep. sorry when we fall sick, the immune system actually stimulates um, the body to, st- to sleep. like we know, you know when we don't feel well. all we want to do is sleep, right? Like we're just so tired. and the body knows that this is what it needs to do to recover quickly. Your body needs sleep. Um, at the same time, ongoing sleep deprivation can reduce the body's ability to generate antibiotics, also known, known as immuno, immunoglobulin Ig, um, that is used uh, by the immune system to neutralize pathogens, which are disease causing agents such as pathogenic and bacteria and viruses that are absolutely necessary in fighting. Infections, And look, all of what I've just previously discussed with you is backed up by scientific research. If you don't believe me, please go out there and do your own research. Uh, but this is the sort of stuff that I'm very laser focused on is I really want to have a good understanding and share the research. If you've been to any of my events, you'll know that I don't just get up there and talk about stuff. I will share the research, the science behind it, um, again, to kind of help to reinforce the information. Information that i'm sharing so given as shift workers we're prone to sleep debt you know how can we or can we actually pay it back i guess that's kind of the million dollar question can we pay it back well in small amounts of sleep debt yes we can do certainly do a bit of catch-up but whilst the body is incredibly resilient it um, and it can bounce back from small amounts of sleep debt large amounts is an entirely different matter this is way way harder so knowing this, you know how can we pay back some of that this sleep debt and or reduce some of the effects of sleep debt? Well, first and foremost, um, the best strategy is to avoid getting yourself into this debt in the first place. Um, you know the same applies to any type of debt. Uh, you know particularly financial debt. You know all of our decisions beforehand leading up to this is going to be instrumental in how much. Sleep debt we acquire. In other words, prevention is key. Now, of course, don't get me wrong, I know that there are probably many of you listening to this right now are certainly at the mercy of some pretty erratic rosters. But my point is to do the best that you can possibly do for you. Um, you know, focus on the things that you can change as opposed to what you can't. I'm all very much about self-preservation and taking care of yourself because um, at the end of the day you know we that's all we can kind of focus on is is taking care of ourselves. it's all about treating your sleep um, and as we now very much know you know our health like a business so treating your sleep uh, or your health like a business. So take it take start beginning to take on the role of being the chief executive officer of your sleep, which means it's, it which kind of comes back to taking 100% responsibility for your sleep and health. And of course, you know, this begins by asking yourself um you know, are you prioritizing your sleep? And this is a question I ask 99.9% of my clients as I also talk about in the workshops as well. Are you prioritizing your sleep? Like Really sit down and ask yourself that question because if you're not, then sleep debt will remain with you throughout your entire shift working career which may potentially lead to health consequences later on. At the end of the day, if your health and your sleep are important to you, you will find a way. So taking responsibility is is really uh, the fundamental I guess uh, important message that I'm trying to kind of share with with each and every one of the whether you're a client of mine or whether you're sitting in a workshop with mine or listening to this podcast right now, and because it really comes down to there's really only two things that matter when you work 24 seven. Number one is to prioritize your sleep, and number two is to take action to improve your sleep. That's it. Just those two things. Number one, prioritise your sleep, and number two, to take action to improve your sleep. That really, as a shift worker, because as we know, you you tend to run on less than not than you know our nine to five cousins. It has to be a priority at all times. The next thing is to make sure that the sleep that you are getting is good quality sleep because unlike crate our crazy you know rosters you know this is something that you know you do have control over it's all about ensuring that you're falling you know doing what you ever you possibly can to help you to ensure that you're falling asleep fairly quickly which which is with what we refer to as that sleep onset which shouldn't be any longer than 30 minutes along with you know trying your best to reduce those intermittent awakenings or that broken sleep. And I know that for some of you, this is going to be a challenge for you, um, you know, because there might be other things that might be going on. But again, it's having that awareness about it so that you know that you can do something about it. So how can we enhance our sleep quality? Well, there are many ways to do it, some of which include, but are not certainly not limited to the following number one is reducing our anxiety and stress. Uh, I think that this is probably 90% behind the reasons why a lot of my clients are struggling with their sleep. That means focusing on um, supporting what's known as what we refer to as the parasympathetic nervous system, which is a rest and digest arm um, of the nervous system. Uh, at the same time, reducing that sympathetic dominant Um, mode or that fight or flight stress response so we really need to be focusing on reducing that arm of your nervous system other things to help enhance your sleep quality obviously as you would have heard probably before you know reducing that caffeine intake reducing the alcohol reducing the nicotine also checking for medications for caffeine caffeine's not just found in you know a cup of coffee It's, it's found in so many energy drinks diet pills, headache, uh, painkillers, a whole host of other things. So, you know, perhaps just have a check to see if any of the medications that you're on containing caffeine, which is potentially making your sleep worse. You know, addressing any hormonal irregularities that you may uh, may be having going on and, and maybe any undiagnosed sleep disorders as well. This can be huge Um, if someone kind of finds out that they might be having sleep apnea and as soon as they get it addressed, it can make a huge life-changing, actually, um, life-changing effect on the quality of their sleep and how they feel. So let's talk more about prevention because this is absolutely key Uh, and it's where I usually like to start, you know, Um, whenever I'm working with anyone, it's to kind of let's focus on what we can kind of change ourselves because – Prevention is key. You know, a lot of the times, you know, we can actually foresee, foresee sleep debt coming, so we need to be taking actions to buffer it. For example, knowing that you have an early shift the next day, you know, this is basic kind of stuff. Getting yourself organized the day before, um, as simple as making your breakfast the night before, you know, doing some meal planning, ironing uniforms, etc., well in advance, so that you're not up late the night before, which is going to kickstart your whole sleep debt roller coaster. Right, um, and look, I know that there's a lot of people listening to this that are juggling lots of things, being parents, working full time, and so forth. But it all comes down to, you know, doing whatever you can to, um, you know, make sure that you are putting your sleep priority so that you're at least giving your body that opportunity to be able to get um, quality sleep. Um, So, yeah, really, really important. I also wanted to touch on, um, you know, prevention from a point of view from melatonin. Now, melatonin is what we refer to uh, as the sleep-regulating hormone. It's a hormone that is absolutely vital in the biochemical pathway to instigate sleep. Now, this is why it's um, super important that we're turning off all screens all electronic devices at least one hour before bed because these electronic devices emit what's called a blue light, shines it into our eyes, and it basically tells your brain that it's daylight and that you're going to... You, there's you know your brain's going to be no interest in wanting to sleep so turning off our screens 1 hour before bed has to be mandatory and you might be listening to this rolling your eyes going oh I've heard all this before I know I know but the thing is common sense is not common practice it's definitely one thing that I have learned from three years in clinical practice that common sense is not common practice amongst the population. And I can put my hand up for this as well. I'm not going to sit here preaching that I'm perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's important that we are being more conscious of all this kind of common sense stuff first before kind of, you know, wanting to kind of dig deeper uh, because these common sense stuff can actually end up giving us 90% of the results that we're looking for. So, absolutely mandatory um with the blue light um and i believe that it's with all these electronic devices it's a massive driver behind sleep debt in our society today not just shift workers um other ways to kind of reduce some of the effects of sleep debt you know obviously you know after things have kind of gotten off the rails a bit from so much sleep sleep debt you might um you know i recommend people that just try and get yourself back into as a routine as quickly as possible. And I know this can be, you know, easier said than done, but just trying to kind of get yourself back into a normal circadian rhythm as as quickly as you can. And and I know, you know, sometimes supplements can help uh, short-term. I always kind of really want people to be on these short-term because they're not designed for long-term use. Um, There's certainly many available out there. Um, A lot of people reach for, I know, the melatonin, um, which... Personally, I'm not recommending only because particularly from a long-term perspective anyway, it can be great short-term. But I think we need to appreciate that melatonin is a hormone. Uh, it's not a supplement. Um, so, uh, again, with, with like all types of hormonal um, uh, kind of prescriptions, I suppose, that can also come with um, side effects and you know melatonin can certainly be helpful after a few nights of rough sleep to kind of help you get your body back on track but really for short term only Um, unfortunately though most many there's a lot of people out there that may be overdosing on it um, and that's perhaps also because it's the melatonin's not really regulated well uh, so some of the dosages may not be that accurate Um, also some people might end up taking five milligrams that doesn't work so they then take another 5 that doesn't work etc um which we can end up leading to this bit of dependency on it but it's as i said it's a sleep regulator not a sleep initiator it doesn't actually make you fall asleep faster it really just tricks your body into thinking that it's nighttime and it's time to sleep um, so i just again i think that's just something to kind of keep in mind you know obviously though melatonin in its own outright, it's a very powerful antioxidant and has some really good um, uh, benefits behind it. But again, I think we just need to be addressing maybe the other things, providing that nervous system support first before we kind of start jumping into, um, you know, straight into um, supplementation. So, yeah. And so just I wanted to quickly, uh, obviously as a nutritionist, uh, I like to kind of bring in the fact about the importance of food uh, because I think there's, there is, well, un- undoubtedly there's a massive connection in between the food that we eat and our ability to sleep or sleep well. Uh, there's a huge connection and I probably haven't got time. I really need to kind of dedicate a, a separate podcast on its own to just talk about that. But at the end of the day, we need to be supporting um our brain with um with healthy foods which requires you know healthy foods for our gut so that the proper neurotransmitters can be um released so that is things like serotonin and melatonin can actually be uh you know forming on their own so you really this comes back to eating more whole foods you have to be really conscious of your food choices um Unfortunately, though, when we're sleep deprived, you know, it can certainly make us crave for all the bad stuff. Um, but, you know, these foods elevate our blood glucose levels and raise our stress hormones, you know, cortisol, which then interfere with our sleep. So if you're kind of going to have, you know, those craving for high carbohydrate foods and the processed carbs, your brain is instinctively looking for that sugar fix it kind of messes with your appetite regulating hormones so ensuring my biggest tip here is when you each time that you're sitting down for a meal ensure that you're eating plenty of uh, what we call a balanced or macronutrient balanced meal that you're having plenty of proteins and healthy fats which help to kind of curb your appetite and and put a halt to a lot of those sugar cravings. And it helps to kind of um, dampen the effects of, you know, carbohydrates. You really want to have that nice combination of all three proteins, healthy fats and, and complex carbohydrates, which is going to help to balance that blood glucose level so that you're less likely to have sugar um, spikes and crashes, which can obviously make you feel awful during the day, but it can Uh, in some people, inadvertently impact their sleep as well. So that's it for today's podcast uh, on sleep debt. As I said, I really wanted to talk about this particular topic because it's very relevant for shift workers, uh, but I wanted to, I guess, um, bring more of a focus on explaining exactly what it is uh, by definition some of the consequences that can happen from a short-term versus a long-term sleep debt perspective but most importantly you know giving you some tips and strategies to kind of help to alleviate that sleep debt at the end of the day prevention is key it's all about doing whatever we possibly can to reduce your you know from getting into that sleep debt in the in the first place because we know that it's you know, it's going to accumulate quite quickly, particularly if you're going into your first night shift without any sleep. So, um, you know, having that definitely, uh, and this is actually something I didn't touch on, uh, is is having that nap um, before you first go into your night shift can be a huge, huge thing, a uh, huge step in at least uh, helping you to Uh, top up the tanks so to speak before you go into your first night shift and reduce the accumulative effects uh, that sleep debt can can occur particularly if you're somebody that does a lot of night shifts in a row so yeah have that nap first before you go into the first one it's certainly going to help All right. Well, that's it uh, for another edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. I hope you found it uh, helpful and beneficial. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit as this will help me to spread the Healthy Shift Worker message to shift workers and organisations all around the world. If you'd like me to deliver a Healthy Shift Worker workshop within your town or workplace, just please get in contact with me by emailing me at audra at healthyshiftworker.com and let's chat to make it happen. So thanks so much for listening. Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be despite working 24-7.
1: This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.